America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is The Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great nation with a great political system that has worked out remarkably well over a couple of centuries. But uh, right now, the uh, polarization, the distrust, the uh, battle based upon criminalization of the opposition, demonization of the opposition, whoever the opposition happens to be, not uh, such a good moment uh, for the system. National Review, the leading conservative journal, I think the leading voice for conservatism and responsible and honest conservatism in uh, media, has a headline, Durham's Jaw-Dropping Revelation. And uh, there's also a piece uh, by Rich Lowry, the distinguished editor of National Review, his piece, Durham's Righteous Investigation. Okay, uh, Rich Lowry joins us, I'm honored to say. He is the author of The Case for Nationalism and the editor of a National Review. Uh, if you can help to explain to people, because people who are not already in the deep weeds with this information uh, may need a little catching up. Uh, what is Durham's jaw-dropping revelation, and it's a singular revelation. Uh, thanks, Michael. Always a pleasure to be on. Thanks for the kind words. So he alleges that a tech executive, a guy named uh, Jaffe, was connected uh, with lawyers working for the Clinton campaign, was connected with an investigative firm that that law firm had hired on behalf of the Clinton campaign, was exploiting so-called DNS, Internet Information Data, to try to establish a link between Trump and Russia, and he was accessing information related to Trump Tower, to Trump's apartment in New York, and most shockingly, uh, related to the executive office of the president after Trump got elected. And the, the idea was to establish uh, a narrative that supported the allegations of collusion. And the lawyer that Jaffe was working with, a guy named Sussman, took this information to the FBI to try to get the FBI interested and also took it to the CIA. Okay. So Sussman's already been indicted, hasn't he? He has. He is indicted for allegedly lying to the FBI uh, and denying that he was working for the Clinton campaign when he brought this information to the FBI. Okay, what's interesting, the Wall Street Journal today has a uh, headline for their editorial, their lead editorial, uh, that Trump really was spied on. Uh, Durham says techies linked to the Clinton campaign had access to the White House and Trump Tower Internet data. And what I remember about this, and I'm sure many of our listeners remember as well, is that uh, during the... Uh, early days of the Trump presidency, uh, President Trump made the charge that Trump Tower had been spied upon, that the Obama campaign, uh, the Obama presidency, because Obama was still president at the time, had uh, spied on what was going on on Trump Tower, and this was widely discredited. It turns out it wasn't the Obama presidency as much as it was people connected with the Clinton campaign. Have I got that right? 
Correct, yeah. So it was not uh, Barack Obama who authorized this or was involved in any way with this. It was the Clinton campaign. And, you know, and, and all, all this stuff, there, there's always an argument over terminology. Is it really spying? You know, it's, it's certainly a, a form of spying or, or sleuthing or snooping, Internet snooping, however you want to put it. But the troubling thing is it doesn't appear that the FBI, the CIA, uh, t took the bait in in this instance, but they did when the Clinton campaign showed up with the dossier and fed that to the, the FBI, which got the surveillance of people connected to the Trump campaign going, and it eventually got the, the Mueller investigation going. So the, our, our politics was deranged for about two years over this, and the ultimate source of it was bad information emanating from the, the Clinton campaign. And we'll eventually learn more, but in his filing, Durham suggests that he calls this purported information. He suggests it was distorted, it was uh, twisted in a way to make it seem damning when it wasn't. Okay, again, hadn't the country really sort of reached the conclusion? I mean, I know it was announced by Bill Barr after he became attorney general that uh, there was no uh, indictable, proceedable information. And a, lo a lot of people forget when Trump was uh, impeached the first time, it wasn't because of the Russia hoax. Uh, it was because of his uh, alleged phone calls with Vladimir Zelensky, who's much in the news now. Uh, when When is Durham supposed to be done with his no one knows. <laughs> no one has any idea. He's very, very deliberate. This whole thing is—he's been rolling it out very slowly. He's been using these so-called speaking indictments. That the indictments themselves are not particularly significant. This latest court filing has to do with a back and forth over a conflict of interest having to do with the original indictment of Sussman, which is not—you know—he's not accused of the crime of the century. Uh, by any means, but eventually he'll, he'll probably FBI, right. Right, but who knows? You know, the, the one thing that I've learned uh, throughout the whole Russia Gate, when Trump people were targeted with such charges, and now when Sussman is, is that it's amazing in this day and age. It just you're relying on the recollection and the written notes of an, an FBI agent to potentially put people behind bars for lying to them. Why, why isn't this stuff recorded? <laughs> you know, it, that's a, that'd be a very easy way to resolve whether someone's lied or not. But anyway, we, we don't know whether he'll be found guilty or, or what. But the, the charge is relatively minor. But the point is, Durham is using this to get the information out. And I think that's very important, just basic democratic hygiene and transparency. Let's find out every detail we can about how this thing got going, because I say it distorted American politics. It at least hampered the uh, Trump presidency the first couple of years. And it was a total obsession, a total obsession of much of the media, especially CNN. And the thing is, the irony is, Michael, I don't have to tell you, but you know, you had this Durham thing come out, and there's zero interest. And, and all the people who are obsessed, most obsessed with Russiagate uh, from the beginning, have zero interest in finding out the origins of this, zero interest in apologizing, zero interest in saying, oh, okay, maybe this wasn't a bad practice. They all just want to move on. Yeah, and and again, I think that what one can talk about here is uh, bad practice is a bad practice. I think part of the obsession before was you were talking about a sitting president of the United States, and uh, and again, a sitting president of the United States where basically they had this one story which was about Russian collusion, and uh, though I was very um, gullible about uh, accepting some of the 
the basics of that story because of Trump's previous interest with Trump Tower in Moscow, etc. Truth of the matter is that dog won't hunt. But didn't that dog die really a, a long time ago when Mueller finished his investigation, which lasted, I mean, what, two years and cost yeah. millions of dollars? It should have, but there's still a lot of people on the other side who won't admit that that Mueller didn't find any collusion. They they find ways to to argue somehow. You know, he didn't investigate enough, or actually there is, there is collusion in the report, even though Mueller said there's no collusion. So they they just won't give it up. They're they're obsessed over this. And again, I think. It, it, what happened has created a, a deep cynicism about our institutions or um, enhanced, in, increased the sense of cynicism about our institutions, and it would help at least heal that wound if the folks who are most invested in this say, we were wrong. You know, you, you just said you were wrong, Michael. You know, you, you had some initial suspicions right, that gave it more right. credence than you realized you should have. I said all along, that during the, most of this period, I had a CNN uh, contract, and they'd have me on, you know, every other night, and this would be the only topic. And I'd always say, uh, if, I, if, if there's evidence, a smoking gun of collusion, I'll admit I'm wrong. But I just can't believe it. I don't think this makes sense for reason X, Y, and Z. But I was open Rich. to evidence. I was open to facts the way we all should be. Rich, can you hang on for a few more minutes? Of course. Yep. Terrific. I look forward to speaking to Rich Lowry, editor of National Review, the author of Case for Nationalism. More coming up on The Medved Show. I just wanted to call and throw my two cents in. The Michael Medved Show. Medved Show, uh, speaking uh, with Rich Lowry of National Review about the uh, latest revelations, and it's revelations multiple from uh, from uh, John Durham's investigation that has been ongoing for a long time. It feels like forever. It may be continuing for months and months and months. I want to talk a little bit about the political implications of all of this, how this is being played by media. Uh, the New York Times had a large piece today uh, saying that uh, this has not received the same kind of coverage in mainstream media that it has on conservative media. But that's based upon a uh, an assumption that uh, this kind of information helps President Trump with all of the other... Uh, situations he's dealing with with his uh, accounting firm uh, dropping him because of apparently uh, and maybe even legally actionable uh, distortions of how much money he had and the basis for him getting loans and his private business practices and those evil three prosecutors uh, that President Trump was attacking at his rally uh, don't don't you feel I mean it's just talking to to you not as Rich Lowry spokesman for the uh, National Review but just as another American it doesn't the entire thing become incredibly wearying I, I had that sense in the, in, in the middle of the I just want to go away I mean the middle, of the, the middle of the whole Russia hoax controversy and it's one of the reasons I was never a fan of either of the impeachments uh, but uh, really is this 
kind of government by exposure and indictment and demonization. Mm -hmm. Is this, uh, can we do better than this? Uh, yeah, well, it's really been the, the pattern. It's really been the pattern since since Watergate. Each each side doesn't just want to score points or argue the other side is bad. They they want their the other side to be indicted and thrown into jail. And I know what you mean about how or, wearing or executed. It is. President Trump talked about uh, ex execution. Yeah, yeah. Feels <laughs> that these people deserve the death penalty. There, there's some stories that I find just inherently intellectually interesting. You just want to learn more about them. This is not one of them. I, 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 I've had to dive into that New York Times rebuttal of the, the Durham indictment. There's another one I was just looking at during the, the break in Mother Jones magazine. All these really are arcane details about uh, the Internet and, and these, these characters that, that otherwise are, are not inherently interesting. So I get it. I, just, I do think it's important, again, just for accountability and transparency to know what happened and understand it. Is it going to move one single vote? This November or in 2024, even if Trump runs, no, uh, no, of course not. Well, what about 2022? I mean, this is part of what uh, what I think everybody ought to be uh, concerned about. There are all these phenomenally intense primaries. I was just looking at numbers for the primary for the U.S. Senate seat being left by the ec excellent Rob Portman, and uh, in Ohio, where there are what nine major candidates yeah. for for Senate. Um, I'm afraid that we had a record turnouts in 2020. Uh, do you think that uh, American people are following all of this with uh, with a lot of enthusiasm and avidity right now? Because I'm afraid. No, that no, not. it's 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 yeah, it's it's partisans. I mean, again, that doesn't mean it's not important. I, I think it's important for the reasons we've discussed. But there, there, there's no one who. Is following Durham closely, who's not already on our side. He you know, is not already the right of center and likely a Trump supporter. So it, it, in terms of the election, it's going to be inflation. It's going to be masks. It's going to be the broader parent revolt. It's going to be crime. It's going to be you know the Afghan withdrawal, the border, and whatever may happen in in Ukraine. So it, 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 this this is not like a top twenty voting issue. You know there are a lot of uh, a lot of other things that are affecting people's daily lives that are more consuming for them and will drive voters in November. Uh, how uh, w would you agree that it probably would not serve President uh, Trump to uh, now broaden the focus from just being focused solely on the campaign of 2020, now being focused on the campaign of 2016 also, which he won, by the way? Well, again, I, I think he has reason to be aggrieved. You know, it doesn't mean people sure. should be executed over it. And th there's a reason, you know, we want Durham to, to get to the bottom of the stuff. Yeah, but the backward focus, it's bad. I don't know any Republican, it doesn't matter whether they like Trump or, or don't like Trump, who thinks it's a good idea for ha to have the most prominent Republican in the country so focused on what happened a year or two ago in the 2020 election. If, if Trump wins the nomination and runs and wins the nomination in 2024 and is still that folk backwards looking, it's going to be a, a, a really bad uh, showing in 2024. So it's a cliche, but not all cliches are wrong, that elections are, are won over the future. And there's a huge fight over culturally, politically, uh, and in all respects, the, the future and the direction of the country, uh, and that, that's what we have to be focused on. Uh, the one thing that, I, that, that sticks out for me from what I'm able to put together about the, uh, the Durham 
investigation and what it's finding is why is it not surprising that that the FBI even after the dismissal of James Comey and the CIA and this is with Trump personnel were so ready it seems to cooperate with anti-Trump mm-hmm. forces. That's disturbing. Yeah, I mean, they are bureaucracies. So bureaucracies in Washington uh, run to, to some extent uh, on their, based on their own dynamic. And, and once Comey had kind of maneuvered to get a special counsel appointed, well, then it's, it's game over. And, and, like, a lot of the Mueller investigation was about how Trump was reacting to the Mueller investigation. So it was, it was, it was like a python eating its own tail. Like, half the report was about obstruction that had to do with, with Trump really being upset with Mueller and thinking about whether he should fire him, you know? So th- this is the whole dynamic of a lot of these special counsel investigations is just run out of control. And, you know, if if the FBI officials were had partisan motives and were malicious and wanted to hobble the president they were serving, well, that's a five-alarm fire, and that's one plausible interpretation of what happened. Another interpretation, I think this is the one that Durham is basically working off of, is these folks were credulous and incompetent and should have kicked the tires and realized all this stuff was bogus coming in the door before it spun out of control, uh, but they, they, uh, they, they let it spin out of control. Uh, uh, Rich Lowry, his uh, piece, pieces, plural, in uh, the New National Review, it's posted on their site, linked to our site at michaelmedved.com. Appreciate uh, you're trying to make a, a, a very muddy and uh, unseemly a swamp, you'll pardon the expression, of information at least a little bit coherent and comprehensible. Uh, we'll be getting back to some more of those political disagreements and confrontations coming up on the May- Michael Medved show. Uh, Marco Rubio uh, actually commented on the uh, Durham filing, uh, which is not the conclusion of his investigation at all. And there may, in fact, be more concerning situation information coming up. But uh, Senator Rubio of Florida, who is running for re-election this time, and uh, what's going to be a ferocious election in Florida because uh, Ron DeSantis, who's also a presidential possibility, is running for re-election as governor. Uh, The Democrats are having a very spirited primary fight, which is surprisingly close between a former governor, Charlie Crist, former Republican, who has migrated over to the Democratic Party, and uh, there's also a state commissioner of Nikki Freed. Uh, of the agriculture, who I think is on the more liberal side of things in the Florida primary, but who knows? Anyway, with all that going on, uh, the implications of the Durham filing 
Well, this is what uh, Senator Rubio said about it on Fox News. This is clip 12. This is a big deal. I mean, it, it's shocking to me that this is not receiving more coverage in the press. I don't think any of the Sunday shows mentioned it. But what we're talking about here is not simply this, you know, the, the probe using data scientists to make up a story or links to between Trump and Russia, but the White House. Apparently, there was a private company that had a contract to manage servers for the president of the United States and the White House, and they were sharing information to help build a narrative for a political operation. And you know why? The, this is all proven true. It would be one of the biggest political scandals in American history. It would be a crime, no doubt about it. And it would tell you why these people think they can get away with it. They think they can get away with it because the media will not report on it. If this was the other way, if this was a story about the, how the Trump campaign had hired some data experts and others to go out there and, and do this to a President Clinton, this would be like we wouldn't be able to talk about anything else around here. Well, or as President Trump said, uh, if it were the other way, people would be getting ready to bring back the electric chair. I'm not sure about that. The um, the ongoing back and forth in the political circus makes me think about some of the commentary on on that by uh, the late P.J. O'Rourke. P.J. died today, and we will find out later, and I'm sure we'll bring that to you tomorrow, about the uh, circumstances of it, of his death at age 74. But um, it just uh, it's very easy for us to go back and grab some of the audio of PJ on our show. He was a frequent guest. And, uh, and, and this is available to people, by the way. If you're a MedHead Plus member, uh, you can go back and uh, go over all the way back to 2009 uh, and find all of the appearances with P.J. Rourke on the Michael Medved show and just play them whenever you want, and it's free. Uh, by the way, membership to uh, Medhead Plus uh, costs all of 22 cents a day. It's a great investment, a lot to uh, learn at little cost. In any event, this is uh, P.J. Uh, right, uh, talking about one of his humorous books, which was called Don't Vote, It Just Encourages the Bastards. Uh, this is um, our, part of our conversation. Listen. But I am urging people to, uh, uh, to limit the scope of politics in our life. Um, Amen. Uh, they, we, we have many tools in a free society, and politics is just one of those tools. And it's a big, heavy, powerful tool uh, because, uh, well, fundamentally, uh, because government has the legal monopoly on deadly force. And so laws, uh, you don't obey the law, uh, they can kill you. you know? And therefore, laws are very serious, and therefore we shouldn't be making them all over the place about every darn thing, such as how many carrots are in your school lunch. I, I think uh, I'm quite I'm quite comfortable with the uh, idea of conservatives, especially uh, uh, now that I'm a dad with three kids. Nothing makes you conservative like, you know, taxes make you a Republican, logic makes you a libertarian, but children make you a conservative. <laughs> yes, and you became a uh, radical because that seemed to be the only way in college during your ill-fated college years that you were uh, able to attract the attention of the opposite sex. 
Yes, I mean, it just looked like, uh, I, you know, I looked at the sort of sorority girls, and I thought, I'm not going to get far over there, you know. <laughs> and, then I, 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 and then I kind of looked at the beatnik girls, folkies, as we would have said in, in my day. I was sort of pre-hippie time. Yes, who rolled and, their own cigarettes, as you remember. Yes, yes. They, uh, they uh, you know, smoked unfiltered cigarettes, drank beer right out of the bottle, uh, uh, wore those... Uh, Mexican blouses with embroidery and uh, and uh, um, um, black turtlenecks sometimes. Black turtlenecks, yes, and leotards and uh, and ballet shoes, little ballet slippers. Oh, they were cute. And uh, I thought, you know, I might uh, maybe with my uh, I, what I lack in money and good looks, maybe I can make up for with brooding existentialism over there and uh, <laughs> get somewhere. So. Uh, I made my decision. Yeah, I was uh, fascinated by that piece of language uh, of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness because the um, um, the, the 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 phrase uh, uh, that, that they were playing off of almost always contains property. It was uh, um, uh, life, liberty, uh, and estates. Life, life, liberty, and estate, and, and, and John Locke. And and all educated people reading uh, uh, the, 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 those words would have immediately wondered, what happened to a state? You know, uh, and and I, I started asking around about that, and it was Tom Palmer at the uh, Tom Palmer and David David Boas at the Cato Institute who uh, who said that so their their theory is that Jefferson spotted. A, a logical fallacy in Locke, uh, which was the idea that we're talking about unalienable rights here, inalienable, as we would say, rights you, you, that are so central to our being that we can't get rid of them even if we want to. And property is not actually one of those rights, because for property to be valuable to us, it has to be alienable. We have to be able to get rid of it. That is to say, we have to be able to sell it and, and of course, buy it, which means that somebody else alienates it. You know, I mean, none of us are going to be happy all of the time, and all of us are going to be unhappy some of the time. Um, and so the pursuit is very much a, 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 a key word there. So what it is is, is, what is what's really being said there is pursuit of self-interest, what Adam Smith would have called self-interest. Um, but pursuit of happiness is certainly a more cheerful phrase than <laughs> pursuit of self-interest. The uh, great and late P.J. O'Rourke in conversations from uh, some years ago, and again, that available to everybody. Uh, if you're a MedHead Plus member, uh, you can go back and find all kinds of conversations among 9,000 hours of uh, radio shows that are uh, available for download on demand Plus, you can stream over 100 hours of history shows, which are specifically focused on moments in our history. Uh, become a MedHead today and uh, listen to several hours um, with, uh, with P.J. O'Rourke, if that's your choice. Uh, go to michaelmedved.com, or you can go to medvedhistorystore.com. There, there is so much uh, going on right now that uh, really goes to the basic point, the basic quarrel that Americans are, are having with each other. And 
it's a quarrel which is not just about America's future, it's very much uh, about our present and our past. And whether we're going to be a guilt-ridden or a grateful nation. And the, the choice, it seems to me, really is just about that stark. We will be back with more coming up on The Medved Show. I'm on The Michael Medved Show, for God's sake. This is God bless you. The Michael Medved Show. 1-800-955-1776. The Michael Medved Show. There's all kinds of polling information about some of the hottest races that are going to be on the ballot coming up um, in uh, in this November. Um, most strikingly, of course, there is some very good news for the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, the, uh, uh, and and very good news for Republicans in Florida generally. There's a heated primary uh, for the Democratic nomination, but against any of the three Democrats who are running for the nomination for governor of Florida, DeSantis has a uh, at least a 10-point lead over any of them. And once upon a time, people had thought this might be a, a close election. Elections in Florida tend to be... But uh, this uh, could be a very convincing and resounding win for Governor DeSantis, which would probably mm, increase the enthusiasm for him to actually make a race for president uh, two years from now, three years from now. Uh, there's also um, more uh, on, on this about uh, uh, Pennsylvania and Pennsylvania is a complete muck. I mean, it's the uh, GOP primary found a celebrity doctor, Mehmet Oz, at 27%. Former Bridgewater Associate CEO David McCormick, who spent a lot of money, at 16%. Former ambassador to Denmark, Carla Sands, at 15%. A um, former congressional candidate named Kathy Barnett at 9%. And 2018 Lieutenant Governor nominee Jeff Bartos at 7%. All other candidates were at 2% or less. 22% were undecided. The, um, the point about that is that uh, the biggest takeaway, according to Hotline of uh, National Journal, they say the biggest takeaway from this poll is that TV is still king. Uh, the, uh, the idea why? Because... Uh, despite uh, Dr. Mehmet Oz having oh, a good deal of negativity about him and some false products that he was trying to sell and, and the fact that he has really not been a factor in politics, unlike Trump when he was a reality star, uh, President Trump spoke quite a bit about public issues and uh, got people's attention when it was a regular welcome guest on cable TV. Uh, Dr. Oz has basically just had his show, and uh, he is way ahead. And uh, 
It uh, says the same thing, the TV is king, is true in Ohio, where Mike Gibbons has soared to second place, thanks in part to a massive TV ad blitz. And he's second place to uh, Josh Mandel, who um, has tried to wrap himself as closely to uh, to President Trump as he possibly can, but that's true of a lot of candidates. J.D. Vance, the author of Hillbilly Elegy, had uh, been doing well in a um, in a very uh, strong campaign uh, because of his celebrity up until the uh, he had made some anti-Trump comments some years ago, and Trump is very popular in Ohio, and apparently that has damaged J.D. Vance's campaign. He is no longer uh, close to being a front-runner for the nomination uh, for the U.S. Senate in Ohio. Okay, there's a piece that appeared in the New York Times today, and... It's uh, under the heading, A Staunch Conservative's Urgent Warning to the GOP about 2024. And it's a piece by J. Michael Luddig, who makes the conservative case for reforming the Electoral Count Act of 1887, or ECA, for the express reason that failing to do so will make it easier for Trump to steal the 2024 election. Uh, this should be a terminal moment. This is Greg Sargent writing here. This should be a terminal moment uh, for the uh, Republicans and for the Senate to actually do something about this debate over the ECA. Uh, the reforms would um, also make it harder uh, for Republicans to keep playing the role of apologists about January 6th and about Trump's future intentions. Now, J. Michael Luddig is a, was a phenomenal judge. Uh, he was very well thought of. Twice he was considered seriously for an appointment to the Supreme Court under President uh, George W. Bush. But here he's basically writing about the system that we have and the back and forth between President Trump and Vice President Pence about, well, did he have the power to uh, decertify the electoral votes? Did the uh, governors have a right or anyone have a right to create alternative slates of electors after one slate of electors had already been certified and one person had won the election? And, and all of this goes to why this law has to be fixed up. And I think one of the points that is made by Judge Luddig, and it's a very important point, is that uh, basically why would you oppose the clarification? In other words, unless you had some intention of creating the kind of confusion and the kind of chaos that was created in the so-called in the name of stop the steal uh, the truth of the matter is and and this is democrats who are doing this now they're they're protesting uh new laws in texas that require identification i mean shouldn't we be able honest to goodness as a country to be able to look seriously 
at some reforms in the names of electoral integrity, including reform of the ECA, the uh, Electoral Count Act. And speaking of uh, reforms, there is a um, uh, a, a big new movie, uh, quite a all-star cast and uh, a lavish production that uh, actually got somewhat mixed reviews. Did it deserve it? Kenneth Branagh, star and director of Death on the Nile. Listen. Now it's time for Medved's Entertainment Minute. Kenneth Branagh is back as Agatha Christie's master detective, Hercule Poirot, trying to figure out what happened to wealthy heiress Gothi Air. Gadot during a glamorous group vacation to Egypt in Death on the Nile, now playing in theaters. The crime is murder. The murderer is one of you. I don't feel safe here. I will deliver your killer. But as in any other Agatha Christie novel, there are so many potential killers in this large, distinguished cast that it takes a while to narrow down all of these elegant and eccentric people into the most plausible suspect. As in his previous Hercule Poirot film, Murder on the Orient Express, Branagh's director and star recreates a visually stunning view of 1930s glamour and indulgence. Though the twisty plot is preposterous, of course, and takes intense concentration to follow. Rated P. G-13 for some disturbing violence. Three stars for Death on the Nile. And I do think if uh, people have any taste at all for Agatha Christie murder mysteries, uh, this is a movie that's easy to enjoy and doesn't drag. And it also solves a lingering mystery. What's the story with that crazy mustache that Hercule Poirot has as played by... Uh, by Kenneth Branagh. There actually is an origin story for the mustache at the very beginning of the film set during World War I. So that's supposed to get your interest up, I guess. Uh, on the Michael Medved show, the, uh, there's a controversy going on about who can be a member of the Black Caucus in Virginia. There's an elected representative, always identified as black, not allowed to join. Why? We'll get to that next time on the Michael Medved Show. We'll also talk about these uh, Texas Republicans being charged with voter suppression by taking uh, a, a requirement that uh, you need to actually show identification. Is that the same as voter suppression? Is it right to be characterized that way? Uh, we will be dealing with that. We'll also uh, focus on... Uh, the plea, a plea in a column for Republicans and Democrats to stop fighting and to start passing bills. But there are people on the right who say, look, why should we do that now uh, when the Democrats are still a majority? Why not wait until Republicans win in both House and Senate coming up? Don't uh, count your chickens, perhaps, is a, uh, an old saying that still has some relevance for this greatest nation on God's green earth.